Hi there. Now, one of the things that students ask me a lot is, Mishira, how do I pass the examination? That is the ICE examination. And most of the time, they are asking this question because they have experienced a couple of challenges, a couple of failures. They have tried one or two times and they have failed the examination. And they are more or less like at a crossroad where they don't really know what to do again about their decision or about the journey that they are on. But as always, I want to share or I let them understand that the examination is a professional examination. In that, when it's, we are talking about professional examination, there is a way that the examiner or the examiner has an objective for every examination sitting. That is why you can solve all the past questions from 2010 up until 2018 and you will still go to the exam hall and you will fail. And it is not because you did not work hard, it is not because you did not prepare well for the exam, but it is because you were applying the wrong principles and the wrong concepts. The reason is that for each examination setting, the examiner has an objective. Now, one of the things that makes uh, passing of ACCA exams a bit easier than ICA exam is that with ACCA, you are provided with an examination analysis document. Now, what is an examination analysis document? If you buy an ACCA study text, BPP or whatever it is, you realize that when you flip about the first three pages, you will see an examination analysis document. The examination analysis document gives details on various topical areas that the examiner has examined in the past. So from that chart that is presented there, you are able to identify the areas that the examiner examines a lot so that he can determine the key areas that you have to focus on. So once you are in that position, you know the areas that are favorite for the examiner that almost every semester the examiner brings question on. Then with that, if you are referring to past questions, you know the areas that you have to focus on on the past questions to be examined. But when it comes to CA Ghana, we don't have that yet. Maybe the Institute of Channel Accounting Ghana is now working on that, where every semester or at every examination sitting, students are updated on highly uh, key areas that the examiner has been examining on. What the CA does currently is to send uh, examination structure or examination scheme document, which literally lists everything and how the exams will be set. That is not helpful for students, and so when students ask, look at that document, and they ask me, ah, Ishra, is this coming from the institute? I say, yes, it's coming from the institute. And they are like, it's literally listing everything. I say, yes, he's listing everything because he's telling you these are the things in the syllables. And under each question, these are the areas that are examinable. So if that is the case, how do you position yourself then to answer or to be able to pass the examination? So I always tell people and explain to them that the passing of the examination is dependent on a technique that I teach called the success triangle. Now on the success triangle, I want you to imagine that you have a triangle. 
Now, with a triangle that you have, there is a first step, a second step, and then the final step. If you have this triangle, I want you to look at the bottom of the triangle, the left bottom of the triangle, as the concepts, the principles, the underlining assumptions that you must know. Many a time, students jump to the second uh, stage on the success triangle, which is called practicing of questions, without understanding the concepts. So my question to them all the time is, before you answer, uh, or when, you, when you are starting to answer the questions, um, I asked, do you understand the concepts? Do you understand the fundamental principles that underline the subject that you are studying? So if you want to pass the examination, you want to increase your chances of passing the examination, it is not about solving past questions. That is the idea. It is not about solving past questions. So you can download all the past questions, go through them, but you will not be able, you will not be able to understand. Why? Because there are fundamental principles, fundamental concepts that you need to understand. So that is the first stage of the success triangle. So instead of solving questions, you need to go through the concepts. And this is where a lot of students get it wrong. Why do they get it wrong? Because, for instance, they decide that they won't go for lectures or they won't attend lectures. Other people come with a, or go with the excuse that last semester I attended lectures and so I know the thing, I'll revise and solve past questions and I'll write the exams and I'll pass. Funny enough, they write the exams and they fail. Now, I said funny enough, that doesn't mean it's funny, right? That doesn't mean it's funny. Funny enough in the, in the concept that, or meaning that you lied to yourself that you will pass and you fail the, you, you fail the exam ultimately. I don't care how many times you have attended lectures. And I don't care how many times you have written a paper. But for each examination sitting, the examiner has an objective. So the question you have to ask yourself then is, if I'm going into May 2019 examination, what is the objective of the examiner? When I take financial reporting, what is the objective of the examiner? When I take management accounting, what is the objective of the examiner? When I take public sector accounting and finance, what is the objective of the examiner? If I take corporate reporting, advanced audit and assurance, taxation and fiscal policy, what is the objective of the examiner? So before you start solving questions, before you start planning about or registering for the exams, you should know the objective of the examiner. And the only way you can know the objective of the examiner is to be able to have an understanding of how the examination has been. And the only way that you will be able to increase your chances of passing the examination is when you understand the concepts, the first stage. So when you take something like financial reporting, what are the fundamental concepts about financial reporting? I know you can say the standards. Yes? Single entity financial statement. Yes? Consolidation. Yes? These are topics, not concepts, for your information. Now, when you come to the standards, what are the concepts that underline each of the standards? 
Number one, what is the recognition criteria for each of the standards? What is the subsequent measurement for each of the standards? What is the disclosure requirement for each of the standards? So it is not just about going through the standards. It is not just about being able to rattle the standard. It is about understanding the concepts that underline each of the standards. For instance, if you are doing IAS 36, Impairment of Assets, you must know the concepts that underline impairment of assets. So what are the concepts that underline impairment of assets? One, you must know when we say an asset is impaired or a cash generating unit is impaired. So we say that an asset is impaired when the carrying value is what? Greater than the recoverable amount. That is a concept. Then how do you find recoverable amount? Recoverable amount is the higher of the value in use and fair value less cost to sell. That is another concept. Then when it comes to getting the value in use, how do you calculate value in use? The value in use is the present value of future cash flows arising from the continuous usage of the asset or the cash generating units. That is a concept. So it is not just about going through the standards. Somebody, someone will tell that, you should I have gone through all the standards. Then I ask, do you understand the concept? So I ask some of these concepts and they are missing. They are lost, but they claim they have gone through the standards. So you must understand the various concepts that underline all of these standards. So it is not necessarily about how many questions you solve, it's about your understanding of the concept. Because in the exam hall, the examiner is not going to repeat any past question that you think about. He's not going to repeat it. He will repeat the topic, he may repeat a standard, he may repeat a subtopic, but the question you are solving, that same thing will not appear in the exam hall. And you can attest to the fact that every past question you pick, there is something new in it that you, you didn't realize in the previous past question. So every question is different. Every question is different. Every question is different. But in all of these questions, the main thing that stands out is the concepts. So I can give you 10 questions on impairment of assets. Each of these 10 questions are different but in each of these 10 questions, the concept of getting the carrying value of the asset, calculating the recoverable amount by calculating the value in use and the fair value less cost to sell runs through these 10 questions. So it is not about solving the 10 questions, it's about understanding the concepts that runs through the question. And that concept is the concept that underlies the uh, idea in relation to impairment of assets. How we get it? So it's about that concept thing. You need to understand the concept. You need to understand the concept. Apart from the standards, you come to single entity financial statements. Either a cash flow statement or the statement of uh, the income statement and other comprehensive income and the statement of balance sheet. When it comes to the preparation of these statements, 
what are we going to be doing there? What's the concept there? Now you know that with this one, what the examiner is going to be doing is every footnote there is literally an accounting standard. Every the footnote to the cash flow, the footnote to the uh, uh, income statement or the balance sheet question or the trial balance that has been given is literally an accounting standard. So if you don't understand IAS 16 and you don't understand IAS 12, deferred tax, when there is a revaluation of assets and there is a deferred tax on the revaluation and there is an annual transfer in the revaluation and that same or these three things are in a, in a, in a note, in a footnote, then you will be screwed. Why? You will say that the question is difficult. But it is not difficult. It is your inability to understand the concepts. So I want you to stop this thing of solving past questions. Stop it. Stop this thing of solving past questions for now, especially for now. And start going through the standards, the concepts that underline each of these things. Then we come to consolidation. Now I'm using financial reporting as a guinea pig, all right? So I'm using it as a guinea pig just to illustrate what we are doing. You come to consolidated financial statements. In consolidation, it is not about how many questions you solve that you will understand consolidation. It's about understanding the concepts, period. So when it comes to consolidation, there are about six things in consolidation that you need to understand. These are concepts. In other words, when you understand these six concepts, it means that every consolidation question that is set before you, you can solve it and it will balance, even though that shouldn't be your objective in the example. The first thing about the fundamental concept when it comes to uh, financial reporting in consolidation is determination of the group structure. So from the preamble or the prefix of the question, or from the first note of the question, you will understand the group structure. Whether company A has taken control of company B and also uh, has had an investment in another company. So there are sometimes the percentage of ownership will be given. Other times, the examiner will give you the number of shares that are, that are acquired by the company. So if the number of shares is given, then what do you do? You're going to look at the number of shares acquired divided by the total number of shares of the company times 100, and that will give you the percentage of acquisition. That percentage of acquisition will now tell you whether you have control and you have to treat it under uh, based on uh, consolidation, full consolidation, or it's a significant influence and you have to treat it under IAS 38 using the equity method investment in associate. So determination of the group structure is the first concept. So it is not about how many questions you solve to understand the group structure. It is about knowing how the group structure is given. And there are two ways it can be given. Either a percentage of the, of the acquisition is given or the number of shares that is acquired is given. So if the number of shares is provided to us by the examiner, then what do we do? We just take that figure up and divide it by the total number of shares and multiply it by 100 
they will get a percentage of acquisition. So that is the first thing, determination of the group structure. When you determine the group structure, the next thing that you need to look out for is how to calculate the net assets of the subsidiary company. So if we have a full control over the company, we acquired more than 50% share of the company, then we would have to prepare the net assets. So we will prepare net assets at the beginning of the year, net assets at the end of the year. So in doing that, what do we do? We need to bring stated capital. We need to bring uh, retained earnings prior to the time of acquisition. If it is a mid-year acquisition, we must make sure that we allocate or we divide the full year profit and take out the months that they operated before we acquire it and add it back. And then whatever is left will be the profit that they have earned for the year which we are going to take a portion of. Then you need to bring any prior period adjustment if there are any in the question. For instance, if previously or the subsidiary company had capitalized a development cost, and as a result of we uh, acquiring them, we realized that their definition and capitalization was wrong, then what do we do? We need to subtract it from the net asset of the company. That is a principle. That is a concept. That is a concept. Then, if there are any uh, intergroup trading, that is a subsidiary selling to the parent company, if the subsidiary sells to the parent company, then you know that provision for unrealized profit, you need to subtract it. And that will go to the end of the year. It means at the start of the year, it's going to be dashed, but at the end of the year, provision for unrealized profit, you're going to subtract it. Then, fair value adjustments. That statement is going to be there in the question. And there are two ways that statement can be. Either it is in excess or it is below. If it is in excess, that means that we need to add it back. Sorry, if it is in excess, that means we need to subtract. So it has a value in excess. That's the principle we have to treat. So for instance, the net assets of the company are all the same as their uh, carry value with the exception of a land which has a value in excess of or a building which has a value in excess of maybe $5,000. So that is an undervaluation there, okay? An undervaluation. So that $5,000 at the date of acquisition, we need to add it to the net asset of the company. But that building, $5,000, that building, we need to charge depreciation. From the date of acquisition to the year end, we must charge depreciation and subtract the depreciation from the date of the uh, acquisition and so that in the year end we subtract the depreciation from the value at the date of acquisition and we will get that value. That value there will be added to property, plants and equipment and then the figure for depreciation will be included in cost of sales. That is a principle. And other items will be added. When we finish, we look at the year start and year end and we will have the movement or the growth or decline. That movement or growth or decline is what will be shared when we are doing retained earnings or when we are calculating non-controlling interest. That is a concept. When we finish with the net asset, you have to come to goodwill. Then you need to find out how 
is goodwill being calculated and you know we bring consideration transferred. That figure there called consideration transferred actually entails a lot of things. One, during the acquisition, it could be that we are doing a cash payment or there is a cash consideration solely. Another scenario is where we are doing a cash uh, consideration now and also there is what we call a deferred payment. How do we treat that? That is a concept. Third, another scenario can be we are doing a, 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 a cash consideration, then there is a share exchange. Or there is no cash consideration, but there is a share exchange. How do we treat that? That is a concept. So when it comes to the figure of consideration transfer, it is going to be dependent on the question. Hence, you must understand these three principles or four principles that if it's only cash consideration, this is how I treat it. If it is cash consideration and deferred payment, this is how I treat it. If it is cash consideration and share exchange, this is how I treat it. This is a concept. So you can solve 6 million consolidated questions, go to the exam hall and still freak out and still not be able to solve the consolidated question or consolidation question. Not because you did not prepare for the exam, but because you prepared wrongly for the exams. So that is consideration transfer. Then you come to net asset as acquisition. Definitely you're going to pick that figure from uh, the step two that we spoke about, net asset of the subsidiary. Then, before then, you're going to bring the value of the NCI, non-controlling interest. And when it comes to non-controlling interest, too, there are various ways through which non-controlling interest can be calculated. That is also a concept. We can calculate non-controlling interest as a, uh, at fair value. Meaning, in the question, the examiner could say that uh, the directors of the company for valuation or for consolidation purposes deemed the, the non-controlling interest to have a fair value of say $20 million. So you just pick that figure up, no workings, no thinking, and you put it up. Simple. Another way that non-controlling interest can be calculated is as a proportionate of the net assets or as a proportion of the net assets of the subsidiary at acquisition. That is the second method or second way in which NCI can be calculated. So with that one, the net asset at acquisition, if we bought 75% share of the company, then the NCI is 25. So to get the value of NCI, you take 25% of the value of the net asset at acquisition, and that becomes the value of NCI at acquisition. That is a principle. Then the third thing is, NCI can be valued at fair value of the shares of the company. Meaning, the examiner will give you the shares of the subsidiary company, the value of the shares. So if we are part 5,000 and the whole company has 8,000 shares, that means NCI will take 3,000 of the shares. So that 3,000 number of shares of the NCI will be multiplied by the market value per share of the subsidiary company. And that will give us the value of the NCI at acquisition. This is a principle. This is a concept. The question I, I, am, I, I, ask, I will ask you is, do you, get, do you understand this concept? Do you know the various ways through which NCI could be calculated? 
You, you can't identify this in questions. These are concepts you should know before you start solving questions. So if I know these, that this is how NCI is calculated and these are how they are treated, irrespective of the question the examiner puts before me, no matter the statement the examiner makes, I know these three things, one of them will be in the question. So it is not about the number of past questions I solve, but it's about the understanding of the concepts. That is what I want you to understand. That is what I want you to consider. That is what I want you to take into consideration. So you get the NCI value. From the NCI value, you're able to calculate your goodwill. If goodwill suffers impairment, you subtract it, and you treat the impairment by subtracting it from uh, the group retained earnings. From goodwill, you come to group retained earnings. With group retained earnings, you are going to bring the parent's profit for the year. If they have a prior period uh, balance, you bring it. You bring the profit for the year. Then what do you do? If there is any associate firm, then profit from associate, share of profit from associate will be added. Share of uh, profit from uh, subsidiary, that is the growth in the net asset or the movement in the net asset, we bring it. If there is any loss in value of our investment in the associate or impairment in our goodwill, we subtract them. If the parent company was the one making sales to the subsidiary company, and as at the end of the year there was uh, what we call unrealized profit, then we will subtract it from the parent company. And remember all the time, when there is unrealized profit, we subtract the unrealized profit from the income of the company making the payments, then the cost of the inventory will going to be what? Or, and that same figure will be subtracted from the inventory in the balance sheet. This is a concept. This is a principle. So when it comes to consolidation, these are some of the things. I'm going to do uh, a full video on some of these things later on, where I go through only the concepts. These are the things. So you pick standards, you know the concepts of the standards. You pick civil entity, you know the concept that underline that. You pick consolidation, you know the concept that underline that. Then ratio analysis, interpretation of financial statement. You need to find out what are the concepts that underline that. So it is not about calculation of the ratios, it's about interpreting the ratios. So if you are interpreting profitability ratios, what are the concepts that you will use to interpret them? Certainly, change in sales value, change in cost of sales may come in. Change in the expenses of the company may feed into it. Change in capital structure of the company may feed into it. So these are some of the things you will use in your interpretation of the ratios. These are concepts. That is why it is disastrous sometimes, not sometimes, all the times, to study on your own. Because you really not decode, you cannot not, you cannot decode some of these principles, some of these concepts by learning on your own. You can decode them by sitting under a lecturer 
who understands the subject and know the nitty-gritties of the subject and can make it simple for you to understand. I believe that you can pass the examination, but the passing of the examination is not dependent on the number of questions you solve, period. It's dependent on the understanding of the concepts and having an examination analysis document, which points out key areas you need to focus on for the examination. So I don't know the view you may have been fed with. Maybe somebody somewhere has told you that it's about solving past questions. No. You can solve from 2010 to 2018, and you go to the exam hall, and you'll be blind, literally. Because every past question you pick has something in it that you have no idea of. And that is what I want you to understand, and that is what I want to share with you in this video. May 2019 is the last examination sitting for the current syllabus. And so you have to prepare well and write the exams. That is why I don't want you to study on your own. And I'm talking to you. You cannot study on your own and go into the exam hall. I know someone will tell you, oh, this thing, I learned it on my own and I passed. We are not the same. The probability of somebody learning FR on their own without going for lectures and passing is very small. Very, very tiny. Not only FR, but all the subjects. So if per adventure, you did try on lucky sometime, and you wrote an exam without going for lectures, and you passed, don't let that get into your head that you can do it on your own and pass all the time. Because it is not so. It is not so. You need to understand the concepts, and you need to understand the principles. Now, comment below what you think about what I have shared with you, what I have discussed with you. My objective as a, as, 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 as a lecturer is to help students across the country to pass their examination. That is why I lecture on Facebook. That is why I provide videos on Instagram TV. That is why I have lecture videos on YouTube. That is why I created the insurapremiumuniversity.com. All of these platforms are created to provide students with materials so that they can prepare well for the examination. And I want you to make sure that you use these mediums, you use these avenues to improve yourself, to add value to yourself. Imagine what, how you will feel if you, you check your results and you have passed the exams. Imagine how you will feel when you check your results and you have failed. Look at the two feelings. They are antagonistic to each other. One will make you distressed, you waste money, you waste time, and you will be in anxiety. It will actually distort a lot of things about you. But when you pass the exams, the adrenaline runs. 
your joy fulfills. And you begin to praise God. You begin to thank God. Some of you will even go to church and uh, give a thanksgiving offering. That's good, right? God has given you wisdom. You have it. But you've got to work to make that wisdom practical in your life. So I'm asking you, for whatever subject that you are writing in May 2019, my question to you this time is, do you understand the concepts of the subjects? I don't care how many questions you solve, but my question is, do you understand the concepts? If you don't understand the concepts, go back and study them. Enroll in a class, in a course somewhere. Go for lectures. Attend lectures. Don't be cocky about it. Don't be creepy. Don't be, don't, don't, don't be so, I don't know, I don't know. Some small amount of CDs you will spend. And you are thinking about it. Do you know the value when you become a chartered accountant? Do you know the opportunities that you are going to have? Do you understand the level of impact that you can make when you get to that level? You've got to spend money to become who you want to become. I'm not the creator of Israel Premium University, publisher of 11 business books of the ICA, uh, as a ICA syllabus and ACCA syllabus with the latest book, uh, Strategic Case Study because I, I just got up and I did it. No, I invested money. I invested time. I invested sacrifice. I leverage on people. And if you are working on this journey, you have to leverage on somebody that knows better than you. That is why you need to attend lectures. That's it. That is it. So if you have watched this video up to this far, I want to give you a special offer. For a limited time, we are giving our courses on our study portal a special discount. Literally all the courses are going for 229 Ghana cities. 229 Ghana cities. And you can enroll in the course today. In this course, you have access to lecture videos on all of the things. So if you enroll in financial reporting, you have lecture videos on everything. You have assignments, you have e-books, you have question kits. And most importantly, you're going to have a one-on-one -on -one session with me and my team of lecturers on Skype, where we discuss with you, answer questions that you are having, and solve whatever questions that has to be solved and whatever discussion that has to be made. Most importantly, in addition to that, you are going to also get access to the examination analysis document. The examination analysis document guarantees students a minimum of 55% mark question. In other words, what we are going to be including in the examination analysis document, you will see 55% mark questions from it directly on those topics that you have to focus on. 
not only on topics, but even the nature of how the question will be sent. We know this. I understand this because I understand how the ICA exams work. That is why you need that examination analysis document. So you can click the link below this video. I'm going to put it also in the comments box there somewhere. And enrolled in the course today and start learning. Don't let money stop you. It's only 229 cents. You can literally go and buy fried rice and chicken, pizza, or whatever with it. But you can use it to add value to your life and to make your life happy and blissful. And I want to participate in that. I want to make sure that I am part of that successful story of yours. That is why we are giving this opportunity to students. So for a limited time, I want you to click the link below this video and go to the website, place the order, pay for it, $229 this per paper, and have access to all our course catalog and start studying. Because I want you to pass the ICA May 2019 examination. Whether this is your first time of writing a paper, or your second time or third time of writing a paper, I believe that if you are able to enroll with us, if you are able to follow our advice, my advice, my recommendation, if you genuinely and committedly go through the videos and appoint or take, make sure that you go through the one-on-one -on -one session with me, I can prepare you and you will be in a better position of passing the examination. Again, succeeding or passing the ICA exams is not dependent on the number of questions you solve. It is dependent on your understanding of the concepts that underline each of the subjects. If you don't understand the concepts, you can solve 70 million questions and you will still go to the exam hall and you will fail. But I want you to pass and I want to help you to explain these concepts to you. So click the link below this video and enroll in the course today. I will see you some other time, just like this, where I talk to you on some other things that you need to do in order to increase your chances of passing the examination. My name is Ishira Premium, and I am a business lecturer in Wudin. My objective is simple, to impact your life and add value to you by making this journey an interesting and a memorable one. So click the link below, enroll in the course today, and I'll see you in one of the lectures, because I lecture on some of them and let's see how we can assist you. So till we meet again on the business lecture in Wudin Show, it is Shura Premium, and thank you for watching my video. Bye-bye.